Uh, good seeing all of you here this morning. I'm just, uh, um, again, if you're visiting us for the first time, welcome. We're so glad you're here with us. As uh, Jonathan mentioned, yeah, please do connect with someone in our church community. We would love to welcome you more personally and, and, and help you uh, get connected to our church community. Um, we've been uh, going through, or we started going through the Gospel of Mark just a few weeks ago. Last Sunday, we had baptism service out there. The week before that, we started to look at the Gospel of Mark, and we'll look at the Gospel of Mark throughout spring and summertime. And so if you have your Bibles or devices with you, let's go ahead and look at the passage for us today. It's uh, Mark chapter 1, verses 16 through 39. Mark chapter 1, verses 16 through 39. Let me go ahead and read the passage for us. You can follow along, and then uh, we'll get started with looking at God's Word. Uh, Mark chapter 1, verse 16. Passing alongside the Sea of Galilee, he saw this, Jesus saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going a little further, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were in their boat mending nets. And immediately he called them. And they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the higher servants and followed him. And they went into Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath, he entered the synagogue and was teaching. And they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one who had authority and not as the scribes. And immediately there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit. And he cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him saying, Be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit, convulsing him and crying out with a loud voice, came out of him. And they were amazed, so that they questioned among themselves, saying, What is this? A new teaching with authority. He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. And at once his fame spread everywhere throughout all the surrounding region of Galilee. And immediately he left the synagogue and entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law lay ill with a fever. And immediately they told him about her. And he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up. And the fever left her, and she began to serve them. That evening at sundown, they brought to him all who were sick and oppressed by demons. And the whole city was gathered together at the door. And he healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. And he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a solitary place or desolate place. And there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him. And they found him and said to him, everyone is looking for you. And he said to them, Let us go on to the next towns, that I may preach there also. For that is why I came out. And he went throughout all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. This is God's word. We'll pause there. 
two weeks ago, we started to look at the Gospel of Mark, and we talked about Jesus' first public declaration. And Jesus said, the time is here. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel, or believe in the good news. That's, those were Jesus' first declaration. The kingdom of God is here. Repent and believe in the good news. And what we begin to see in chapter 1 is Jesus actually beginning to display the kingdom of God, right? In chapter 1, what does he do? He heals the sick. He preaches the gospel. He casts out demons, and people are amazed because they've never seen something like this. Jesus taught and performed miracles with power and authority and also compassion, right? Jesus goes to Peter's house, and he heals Peter's mother-in-law. What is that? I mean, that's not only does he display power, but he displays compassion and love. Another, you know, what we read here, he goes to this town and people are gathering around him. It says the whole, whole city came because they needed help, right? They, they needed healing and Jesus heals them. Now you can think about this. Jesus could have, because he's the son of God, could have said something like, I heal you and did a mass healing. And that's not what Jesus does. The text tells us that he touched individuals. He healed them. Um, I mean, what does that say? It, it tells us that Jesus has authority, power as a son of God, but he also has great compassion. And as we read the Gospel of Mark, and we kind of get a sense here in chapter 1, is that when Jesus does these miracles, he tells people and the demons, he says, make sure that you don't tell others about me. Right? And that's also something that's interesting because Jesus performs these powerful miracles and you would think that Jesus would say something like, go and tell others about what I've done for you. But for the most part, that's not what he does. He says, make sure that you don't say anything about me. And here's the reason why he does that. Because Jesus' ultimate goal and ultimate mission in life was not to just heal someone's diseases, diseases or, or cast out demons. I mean, he does that to display the kingdom of God in his power, but his ultimate goal, ultimate mission was the cross. And we don't get to see that until middle part of the gospel. And that's crucial because he's not, he's not, he didn't come to deal with symptoms of sin. He's not about healing even your problems and and deal with your issues, superficial issues. No, what he came to do was he came to die on the cross to pay for the penalty of sin. He came to destroy the root cause, which is sin and death. That's what he came to do. And so the beginning part of Mark, he says, make sure you don't tell others about me because their understanding of Jesus would have been very superficial. Oh, here's Jesus, the miracle worker. Let's go follow him. And they, they, as we read the Gospel of Mark, they, they don't understand Jesus' a true mission, not even the disciples. And so there is this, Jesus does miracles, He performs great things, and yet He says, make sure you don't tell others about Me because He wants people to get, get His true mission. And that doesn't come until middle of the Gospel of Mark. Now, here's Jesus. He comes on, on the scene and he says, kingdom of God is here and his mission is to die on the cross and bring in, usher in God's kingdom. And here is his strategy. Here's his first step. What does he do? 
he calls these four fishermen to follow him. Um, he says, Simon, Andrew, James, and John, you follow me. That's his strategy. Now, if um, I, mean, I was thinking, that's not a very efficient way to uh, do missions because we read the Gospel of Mark and these fishermen and other disciples, they fail, they fail Jesus often. Um, but he invites them in to be part of his team. Uh, Jesus' mission, or Jesus' excuse me, Jesus' strategy is to call people to himself to follow him. That's how he's going to establish and display and expand his kingdom. And that's what he does. Even today, his strategy is not something spectacular. He doesn't come, and he can. He doesn't come and create a, a massive, I don't know, a, a supernatural miracle and say, I'm here, um, follow him. No, that's not what he does. He calls people. He calls individuals to follow him. That's his strategy. And that's what he does even today. He calls people to follow him. And so what I want to do today is I want to talk about what it looks like to follow Jesus. What does it mean? I'll just share three things about following Jesus, okay? All right, number one. First, following Jesus is not easy, but it is simple. Following Jesus is not easy, but it is simple. Look at what Jesus here says. I mean, he's, his words are really simple. He says, he sees Simon, Andrew. He says, guys, follow me. I mean, he does say, I will make you become fishers of men, but there are no other requirements, right? Jesus doesn't say, follow me, but make sure you go and clean up your life. Or he doesn't say, follow me, but make sure you study the Old Testament, study the prophets and the law. He doesn't say anything like that. He just simply says, Simon, Andrew, and then James and John, follow me. That's what Jesus says. And that's, I mean, his that's his call, even for us. Jesus simply says, follow me. And that's significant because it highlights who Jesus is. Um, it's, it's, we're following the Son of God, right? We're, we're following him. I, I, our eyes are on him. Now, some of you might be here thinking, uh, man, I, I wish Jesus would physically appear and call me to follow him, right? Like, I'll pick on Pastor Jonathan. Jonathan, Jesus appears and says, Jonathan, follow me. And some of you might be thinking, if Jesus called me in that way, I will follow him. But um, surprisingly or interestingly, when you look at the Gospels, Jesus physically appears and calls people to follow him, but not everyone follows Jesus. Um, they, they don't hear Jesus' voice. And so I think what I want to just, with my first point here, following Jesus is simple um, I think even for us, uh, even though following Jesus is simple, His call to us is simple, uh, oftentimes we don't, we don't hear His voice. Now, He's not physically here with us, but we do have the written Word of God. So He speaks to us through Scriptures. We do have His Spirit. Um, if, you're a, if you're a Christian, we have the Holy Spirit. So we have the Spirit of Jesus leading us. But oftentimes we don't like, hear His voice well or hear His voice clearly. Like, why is that? Let me just briefly mention this. I think there are too many other voices in our, in our life. It's, it's hard for us to like, discern and hear His voice amongst 
all the other voices, other choices, other options that we have in life. When I was in high school, I was invited by a friend to attend my very first Christian heavy metal concert. Uh, this was in the 80s, okay? There was a band called Stripers. <laughs> like, I'm sure no one knows uh, you know, Stripe. This is what I remember. I, he's, I mean, I didn't know anything about this band. I didn't know anything about heavy metal. I, 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 wasn't, I wasn't into that kind of mu- music, but he said, hey, see, you know, it's going to be fun. Come with me. So I went. It was three of us. I went, and um, I, get, I get there, and uh, the band is playing, and I could not understand what they were singing. Like, I couldn't understand what, like, like the lyrics. So I would turn to my friend, and I would just, I would ask him, hey, what are they saying? But because the music was so loud, my mouth was probably maybe six, six inches away from his ears, and I would, I would be screaming as loud as possible, hey, what are they saying? And he would look at me and he would say, what? Back and forth the whole night. After the concert was over, my ears were ringing for three days. So loud. I wonder if that's how we live our life. There are so many things that are churned up in our life that we have a hard time hearing from God. Even when we read the Bible, even when we pray, it's, it's so hard because there's so many other voices. It's like in the Old Testament, it's like 1 Kings chapter 19, we have the story of Elijah. Elijah was a prophet that did great miracles, powerful things. But God leads him to this mountain, this, this uh, side of a mountain, and he says, I'm going to talk to you. Come out. So Elijah goes up, and he's trying to listen to God, and God comes. First, it, it's a, a, a wind that comes through. And he says, the, the passage says, but God wasn't there. And then it was, it's fire that comes through, and God wasn't there. Um, storm that comes through, God wasn't there. And then lastly, it says, the passage says, there was a gentle whisper. And then Elijah says, oh, this is God's voice. Um. I think sometimes we have a hard time hearing and following Christ, even though His commands are simple, because there are so many other noises in our life. I think one simple application might be, as we want to follow Him, turning down the volumes of other voices in life, and maybe simplifying our life. Technology is supposed to make our life uh, more simple. It's supposed to enhance our life experience. But ironically, it's not happening. Technology is creating more stuff for us to think about and worry about. And rather than reducing noises and making things more clear, it's created more options and more voices and more choices. Whether it's ordering from Starbucks or picking out a movie to watch on Netflix, there are too many voices, too many choices. For some of us, as we desire to follow Christ, we need to reduce um, our choices. We need to simplify our life so that we can hear God's voice, which is often uh, comes in a gentle whisper. So that's number one. Following Jesus is not easy, but it is simple. 
if we simplify our life and clear away some of the clutters that we have in our life. Number two, um, following Jesus is done with sense of urgency. I don't know if you caught this, but when we read this passage, the word that appears again and again in Gospel of Mark is the word immediately. Uh, so let me just read it quickly, just in this few verses here. And immediately they left the nets and followed him. And immediately he called them. They went up to Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath he, he entered the synagogue. And immediately there was in their synagogue a man with uh, unclean spirit. And at once, the same Greek word, immediately his fame spread everywhere. And immediately he left the synagogue and entered the house of Simon and Andrew. Immediately they told him about her, and immediately the leprosy left him. That's just in chapter 1. Out of all the books in the Bible, Mark uses his word by far the most. By far. Why is that? Now, it, when, when Mark uses his word, it's, he's not simply talking about this took place and then right afterwards that took place. If, because if you read it that way, it doesn't quite fit. Jesus did this something immediately on the Sabbath. Um, it doesn't fit well. What, what Mark's getting at is this. He is creating a temple a, a temple a, he's creating a, a sense of urgency he's creating momentum he's creating speed velocity as he's telling the gospel story he's moving from one scene to another scene really quickly why does he do that boys well, because he's trying to get his listeners to sense feel the sense of urgency of what's happening. Well, what's happening here? Jesus had just come and he said, the kingdom of God is here. Why is Mark telling the story with a sense of urgency? Because Mark is saying something astonishing, magnificent, significant is taking place. The son of God is here now and the kingdom of God is advancing. That's what Mark is trying to do. And he's saying, as he's telling the story, he's He's trying to get his listeners to feel this, this sense of urgency. And that's what it feels like when we follow Christ. The New Testament tells us now is not time to be sleepy or drowsy. The, the Apostle Paul often says, be alert and sober-minded. Right? First Thessalonians, he writes, so then let us, uh, let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be alert. That's the, that's the posture that the New Testament writer, writers try, try to give to us. There's a sense of urgency because the kingdom of God is here and God is on the move. It's kind of like a college, uh, college student um, kind of sleeping through the whole semester, like he's missing classes and He's falling asleep in his class, but it's now final exam time. Like, okay, he needs to stay up all night and actually study. Or it's like a basketball team. You know, they casually play, but now it's the fourth quarter, only a couple of minutes left. I mean, they need to really try hard. That's, that's the feel that Mark's getting at. In the redemptive story of God, the narrative of God, now is the fourth quarter of God's story. The Son of God is here. The kingdom of God is here. God is on the move and is calling people to be part of His movement. Sense of urgency. And that's why when we read this passage, Peter and Andrew, or how Mark tells it is, Peter and Andrew immediately leave their net and follow Him. James and John leave their father and follow Jesus. 
That doesn't mean that they never saw their father again, or Peter or Simon and Andrew never fished again. No, what, what Mark is getting at is now, more than anything else, even relationship, family relationships, Jesus is taking priority in their life. Why? Again, because their sense of urgency, the kingdom of God is here. God is on the move. There's an old hymn um, uh, called, I Have Decided to Follow Jesus. It comes from India, actually. It, um, it's talking about a family who decided to follow Jesus, and soon afterwards, they're they killed. And um, the hymn is kind of talking about their decision to follow Christ, even though they knew that they were, they were going to be either killed or persecuted. Um, the word decide uh, comes from a Latin word that means cut off. And so when we say, I've decided to follow Christ, or when we sing, I've decided to follow Christ, what we're saying is, I've cut off other things in my life so that Christ becomes my main focus. I've cut off unnecessary things. I've cut off things that are maybe good things to make Christ my all in all, make Christ my captain in life, make Christ the center of all that I do, who I am. I'm cutting off things. That's, I mean, that's essentially what we're saying or singing when we say, I've, I've decided to follow Christ. I've cut off other things. So friends, today, Again, are there things, one, do you sense this urgency that the New Testament calls us? Now is time to pray. Now is time to worship. Now is time to follow God because God is on the move. And are we willing to cut off all the things that gets in the way, that's hindering us, that's dragging us down from fully participating in the movement of God? Like these four fishermen, ordinary people, but they heard the voice of God, Jesus calling them, and they left their father, they left their boats, and followed him. So following Jesus, and a sense of urgency. Lastly, um, following Jesus is a lifelong process with many small yeses. Following Jesus is a lifelong process with many small yeses. Jesus says here, follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. He doesn't say, now you are fishers of men, but he says, I will make you become fishers of men. Meaning it's a process. Jesus is going to work with them. It's going to be, it's going to take time. And we know that when we read the Gospels, right? Simon falls often. James and John fight about who is the greatest. They even bring in their mom to help them with their argument. I mean, it's a mess. The disciples don't do well. But Simon eventually does become Peter. Jesus eventually builds his church on the rock, which is Christ. But Simon becomes the leader of that. So they eventually become the people that Jesus envisioned for them. But it doesn't happen. It did not happen overnight. It took a long time with many failures, ups and downs. It's a long road, long journey, but it does involve us saying yes to God. Small yeses, big yeses. 
uh, I was listening to a, um, a video testimony. So our denomination uh, sends out, the president sends out, uh, it, I don't know if it's weekly or bi-weekly, sends out video blogs. And the, the video that he sent out this past week was about two missionaries who served um, God for 40 years. And they're about to retire. And um, one person actually visited our church about seven years ago. His name is Mike Som. He was director of Kama, which is the relief arm of our missions. And so, you know, both of these men who are about to kind of retire um, talked about just their journey. And so uh, this one person said, uh, one person talked about how um, he was a chemical engineer working in the Bay Area. And he just felt like God was calling him to go to seminary. So that's what he did. So that's a yes. That's a, it might be a big yes, but they both talked about how what they envisioned their life to be like, like it didn't turn out, what, turn out the way that they, they thought it would. Um, they didn't think that they would, they would lead this mission you know, uh, aspect of our alliance. I mean, they just simply said, oh, God's kind of calling me. I feel like God's calling me to go to seminary, and so I'll do that. As all the person became... Uh, decided to follow Christ um, during college or right before college, and he got involved with navigators, and they did Bible studies and evangelism, and he just said yes to that, and one thing left, led to another, and he ended up in Thailand for a few years, and he thought he was going to kind of do church planting in Thailand, but God called him to something else, and he just sensed God's voice, and he said yes to that, and one thing led to another, and he, yeah, God used him as director of Kama Services. And the point was, they were both saying, God's been so faithful, and my ministry, shockingly, amazingly, um, has been fruitful. And it's not because that's what I wanted it to happen. I just simply said yes to God when He asked me to do something. And I think that's discipleship. I think that's the Christian life. It's just saying yes to God. In big ways and in small ways. Eugene Peterson said, discipleship is a long obedience in the same direction. Let me say that one more time. Discipleship is long obedience. It's going to take a long time. It's a journey. Long obedience in the same direction. Friends, I believe that God speaks to us. And He's speaking to us constantly. He speaks to us through His Spirit. He speaks to us through His written Word. We have opportunities, daily opportunities to say yes. And it could be small things. It could be like Holy Spirit nudging you to say, you need to reconcile with that person. Or it might be something big. You need to go overseas. Um, this summer to Cambodia. Yeah, anyone? <laughs> um, you, need to, you, need to, you need to volunteer with the bake sale. <laughs> um, I'm not sure why I'm thinking about these examples, but um, God's speaking to us all the time. We, we have daily opportunities to say yes to God. Yes, God. Uh, I sense you leading me to do this, and, and, and I'll do that. And again, they're oftentimes simple but they're difficult at times, right? Because saying yes to God to serve or yes to God to give, to sacrifice, and these are difficult things, but they're not, they're simple things as well because God 
calls us to do these things, and His voice will become clear. God is speaking to us. So friends, today, are there things that God might be asking you to do that you can actually say, yes, yes, God, I want to take that step. Yes, God, I want to initiate that conversation. Yes, God, I want to let go of the thing that's really dragging me down. Yes, God. Now, I want to to, uh, end with this. Um, I think it's helpful when when we recognize, and I think Mark is trying to get us to see this, that we're not saying yes to yes to a, a, just a mere person. We're not saying yes to um, no, some, some theoretical person. We're saying yes to the Son of God who loved us and gave himself for us. We're saying yes to the one who thought of us before the world was created. We're saying yes to the one who loved us so much that he died on the cross for us and made a way for us to have life, eternal life, a full life, a restored, renewed, healed life with him. We're not saying yes to just anyone. No, we're saying yes to the lover of our soul. We're saying yes to God who is powerful and yet compassionate. The passage that we didn't get to read at the end of chapter 1, Jesus meets this leper. And leprosy back then was life-ending disease. Um, Physically, your limbs are falling off if it it gets to that that point. Socially, you're disconnected. Relationally, you can't touch other people. People can't touch you, so you're isolated. You're living alone by yourself, pretty much waiting to die. Spiritually, people consider you unclean. So leprosy literally ended your life in every way. But Jesus comes and he touches this leper and he heals him. And at the end of that section, it says how Jesus was put outside of the city because there were people now around him. He couldn't go in. He, he was left on the outside. It's, Mark's almost telling us the leper who was outcasted, who was on the outside of God's people, God's community, came in because Jesus went out and was ostracized. We're following a God who took our place on the cross so that we might be brought in to fellowship with him. Again, we're not saying yes to anyone, and we're saying yes to Jesus, the Son of God, who gave himself for us. All right, let's, uh, let's pray. And I want to give us just a minute, if you could just kind of close your eyes. And um, again, as I talked about, our life is so filled with noise, and they're not all bad things. They're good things. But I do think that very few of us have space and time to be with God, like to hear His voice. I love how First Kings chapter 19 says, God came, God showed up in a gentle whisper. In a psalm, the psalmist writes, Be still and know that I am God. So just take a minute 
as we worship, you know, as, as we're, in, we're in God's presence, um, just take a minute and just still your heart and, and see if the Holy Spirit might be asking you to say to, for something. Maybe this is an opportunity for you to say yes to God. And it doesn't have to be something like significantly big. It could be something small, something that He's nudging you, encouraging you. So let's take a minute to do that. Just be in God's presence, having our hearts and minds open, and then uh, we'll, take, we'll take communion together. Let's take a minute to do that.